Yeah, I like to sit down and preach. I don't fall over as much as I am. It's really wonderful to be with this church. Last time I remember speaking at MacArthur Park Church was probably Arthur Culpepper's wedding. Anybody here at that wedding? Okay, it's been a long time ago. He's a PhD now. I didn't do that for him. Well, uh, I asked Mark after, you know, what I was invited by, Doug, to come over here and speak, what I should say. And he said, I think you should have a word from God. Mark, I don't hear directly from God. so that would be a stretch for me. But my wife hears from God. <laughs> a few years ago, our son and his wife and their three children were moving from ACU, San Antonio, to begin work as a marriage and family therapist. And she said she'd help by bringing my car over and hauling the kids down while they drove the truck and the rest of the stuff. So she had three little kids, oldest one married now, but they were little kids then. The oldest one was about five. And uh, she said, we're going to, it's a long road, but we're going to stop at a place called Fredericksburg, and we're going to get some peaches. And so they got the peaches at Fredericksburg, and they sampled those juicy things, and got up a box or two, and put in the car, and started down, Grand, could we have a peach? No, 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 we, we can't have a peach until we get to San Antonio. Oh, but couldn't we just have one peach? No, you're not going to get the peach juice on Patty's car. So, one more try. And she said, listen, if you mention peaches again, you won't get one when we get to San Antonio. So there was a moment of silence. And then this voice in the back seat said, this is God speaking. <laughs> you give those kids a peach. So if you want to work with God, you better get it from her. <laughs> but I can read a word from God. Let me read a little bit from the 63rd Psalm to get our hearts set. The psalmist said, Oh, God, you are our God. Earnestly we seek you. Our souls search for you. Our bodies long for you in the dry and weary land where there's no water. Now we've seen you in the sanctuary beheld your power and your glory and because your love is better than life, our lips will glorify you. In your name we'll raise up our hands and we will be satisfied with the richest of foods and we will praise you all of our days. On our beds, we'll remember you. We'll think of you through the watches of the night. Here in the shadow of your wings, you know, in the darkness of the night, we will sing to you. Our souls cling to you. Your light on upholds.
A lot of people ask for help on how to pray, and I'm a poor one to ask. Because my long, lifelong struggle has been trying to learn how to be better at prayer. And uh, sometimes I think it may be headway, and sometimes I'm not. I've asked some of the groups that Doug talked about, and I've heard them say things like, well, I, I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Nobody's listening. Or who wants to listen to me, let alone God? Whine about my need. Or I keep praying the same thing over and over again. It becomes sort of stilted, and it becomes more narrow with each prayer. And it's about my, me and my wife and my kids. It's just shriveled. And then they talked about the books over at the bookstore that books help you with a life of prayer. And some of them will for a while. They helped the guy who wrote it for a while, or the gal. And then um, the book got published and they moved on to something else. And besides that, what helped them might not help you. But I want to I want to suggest something to you. I think that there is a way to pray that is time tested enough to give it a shot. For three thousand years, maybe four, the Psalms have been the songbook and the prayer book of the people of God. I say four because one of the Psalms claims to be written by Moses. And the people of Israel, for years as they went to the temple, sang and recited the psalms as they went up the hill. In their synagogue and in their homes, they memorized them. Those boys, by the time they hit bar mitzvah, 12 years of age, could quote the whole song. song. And so Jesus would have grown up with the psalms. In fact, almost every time he opens his mouth, you hear echoes of the songs, praise after praise after praise from the songs. The apostles, the same thing. Paul quotes from more songs in some of his writings than you find quotations from Jesus in the Gospel. And so I'm going to suggest to you that um, a long time ago, people like Lynn Pemberton and John Willis and others, Randy Harris, encouraged me if you're struggling with prayer, pray the Psalms. And I was invited to speak at Pepperdine one year. It's called the last Pepperdine Lecture of the Millennium. That's what Jerry Rutherford called it. And I want you to preach on the Psalms. We're going to do the Psalms. So I spent a year running scared and praying Psalms every day. Reading three, four, five a day. Praying one a day. And I prayed it three times. First, I, I just went through the song to kind of get the feeling and the meaning of it. I recommend that to you. Out loud, of course. Secondly, I would pray the song as if it were my prayer. And if it was a song that fit me, it became really my prayer, sort of a springboard for my prayers through the day. And then I would pray it a third time on behalf of somebody else. And I found that some of the prayers that didn't say anything to me that day really did say something about somebody else's life. 
And I found certain benefits, and I've been trying to teach brothers and sisters to pray the Psalms ever since. And I want to suggest some benefits that I've found from doing that. These are in that book, and they're, of course, in more, more length there. But I want to touch on just a few of them tonight. The first one is that the Psalms give us voices. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, when we start talking about God or something, there's something going on larger than my own vocabulary, probably yours. And the experiences in my journey toward God and in the insights that you have toward God, they're bigger than you can find words to say. And sometimes you're not even aware that you feel or think those things until you hear it said by one of the songs. We learn to pray by listening. We learn to talk by listening. We have a grandson up in uh, New York City. Uh, he's six now, but he's got a little sister that's a couple years old, year old. But when he was about four, he could speak three languages. Now, of course, it's obviously because he's the most brilliant four-year-old in the world. But besides that, his mother is from France, and she speaks French to him. His father, Ken, speaks in French, but he speaks English to him. They do this intentionally. And when both mom and dad were at work, the nanny that took care of him on those days spoke only Spanish. So we're sitting at the breakfast table a couple of years ago, and his mother says to him, his name is Atlas, she said, Atlas, parlez-vous français? And he replied, oui, madame. And I speak English. First time she realized he understood there were three languages. How did the kid do that? Well, he did it like you and I learned to speak English and like people in Mexico learn to speak Spanish and people in China learn to speak Japanese. And until he learned those languages, he couldn't say some things that he might have even felt. And he learned to feel some things that didn't know how to say. Now, this is how we learn to pray, isn't it? We we learn the language of prayer, a lot of us from, you know, when our, at our mother's knee now, and lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. Oh, nightmare. Long one. I quit teaching our kids that line. But uh, that's how we learn to pray, right? We got a little older and we heard the preacher in the elders pray at church about uh, thankful for the assembly and worship and the missionaries overseas and the sick of the church and uh, slow for life, can't in the grave and be found faithful, take us home, be with thee. Wonderful idea, right? Have, you know, you've heard prayers something like that most of your life and went to church. But that sort of became the limit of the prayer language. And so, the songs give us voices first to, uh, to speak the unspeakable. Things for which we do not have vocabulary. Uh, you know, one time, Anna Pavlova, who is a Russian ballerina, was asked after a performance, Anna, 
missing. What did you say? And she replied, if I could tell you, I wouldn't need to dance. Now there's a sense in which the Psalms dance for us. They help us say things that we don't know how to express. They're, you know, for example, you, what, how do you explain to someone the meaning of a wedding ring that you have? Um, you know, yeah, means I'm married to that lady over there. I've been for 57 years last month. Uh, but it says for me and for her a lot more than that. Things for which I don't have the words. What about when you take the flowers to the hospital room? Can you draw a chart on what those flowers mean? When you take the bread say the words about it, but what we experience together as the people of God here and all over the world is beyond words, and that's why we need to clean it. And when we pray the Psalms, we find the Psalms saying things that we felt and couldn't find words. They're, they're poetry. They're not like the rest of the Bible. I felt like talking back to God. I stole that from Eugene Peterson's book, Answering God, where he says that the rest of the Bible is God's word to us, but there's a sense in which the Psalms are our words back to God. And uh, so when we talk to God, we say things to him that... Um, help saying. They're poetry, and poetry well, you can't preach songs very well because they're poetry. I mean, how do you the joke's not funny when you have to explain it, right? <laughs> and um, songs not that beautiful if you have to explain the music. And um, so when we Psalms say stuff that are beyond our ability to speak. Now, there are also, just an example of that before I pass on too quickly. Just think, for example, some of the things in the Psalms, just a, a familiar one. Psalm 23, most of us know that. The Lord is my shepherd, thou not want thee. And I'm not sure I know what that psalm is about. Yeah, I know that God takes care of his people. But what does he mean about all the rest of that stuff? He prepares a table before us in the presence of the enemies. He anoints our head with oil. I mean, it doesn't mean he dumps real cream on our We don't know what it means, but we know very well what it means. We know because we experience it, not because we totally understand it. He also teaches us how to explore the unmentionable or unthinkable, if you want to say it that way. Well, what do I mean by that? 
Any, anyone here ever have trouble really telling anybody how you feel when you're really angry or when you're ashamed or when you have to admit flaws in your own character that you really don't want other people to know? Or when there are things that need to be surfaced in the geography of your experiences, but you're afraid to go there? Have you ever thought about some of these songs, what they do when they go there? Now, some of you remember Robert Duvall. Anybody here a fan of Robert Duvall? One of my favorite theologians. Some of you see that. See the movie he was in a few years ago called, I'm not saying a utopia now, okay? The one called The Apostle. He was this... Uh, uh, sort of a charismatic um, snake oil preacher that had a little church, but he was a repentant violinist and, you know, pretty raw character. <clears throat> but he came home from a revival once and discovered that his wife was having an affair with a youth minister. And so he went down to the ballpark where the youth minister was coaching, and he grabbed a baseball bat and busted the guy's skull. And then he had to be on the land, and that's what the movie's about. But the night before, he's up in his mother's bedroom before he's going to have to get out of town and meet on nobody. And he's, he's in the, the, the camera shows you him through the window in there just raving, roaring at the ceiling. And he's saying, they stole my church. I know I don't sound like him all. They stole my wife. If, if you won't give me my wife, my church back, give me peace. Give me peace. Flails his arms and he says, Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give me peace. And then he says, uh, I'm confused and I'm mad. But I love you, Lord. And I'm mad at you. What do you want me to do? Should I lay hands on myself? good theology. I mean, this sounds a lot like about somewhere between 50 and 70 percent of the songs. How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? And how long are my enemies going to triumph over me? Look at me and answer, O oh Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I'll sleep in death, and my enemies will say, I've overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. Doesn't it sound a little bit like we've all? Now he does say, but I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart rejoices. In your salvation, I will sing to the Lord, for he's been good to me. But now some of them, he never gets that far. Like Psalm 88, he goes down into that wrangling and mad and how terrible things are. It goes from bad to worse to worse, still terrible, until the last line of the psalm says, 
darkness is my only friend. I think it's therapeutic that God allows us to talk to him like that. Now, by the way, Jesus gave us permission to, right? You know, when he said, you know, Eli, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, he's quoting from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, we have a son that's a mental health professional. He tells me that one of the worst things you can do with negative emotions, like anger, is to repress stuff. Because he says it's going to come out somewhere. Maybe in uh, substance abuse or sexual acting out or you know, clinical depression or somewhere, but it's going to come out. And so some therapist will tell us to vomit it up, you know, talk about it, but usually in a way that's destructive if you're not careful. And then a lot of us say, no, just shut up, don't mention it, why bother anybody, and repress it. But the Psalms have a better solution. Confess it. Psalm 32. Blessed is a man whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sins the Lord will not count against him. When I kept silence, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you and didn't cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Let everyone, therefore, call on you while you may be. Psalms can also become tools for us. One of these ways is that uh, the Psalms help us get us out of ourselves if we read and pray the Psalms in a systematic way. Remind you again, I, I encourage people to read and pray all the Psalms. Don't just stick with the ones you like or the bright parts of them. That's all right to get started that way, but somewhere you need to go ahead and move on into them because they will help get you out of yourself. Um, one of the ways in which this is true is uh, when you read through the Psalms like this, instead of your Psalms getting trite and you know, repetitive, repetitive um, they're, they're going to move you to new subjects. For example, you start this week. I'm going to start with Psalm 1 on Monday. Uh, Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the 
instruction of the Lord on his law, his instruction. He meditates day and night, and he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit and season and so forth. Uh, a great admonition to, you know, dig deep into the Word because it gives you life then go to Psalm 3 a couple days later. Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, the Lord will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O oh God. You bestow glory on me, and you lift up my head. To the Lord I cry, on a couple more for the next time and dare you down the calendar. We get to Psalm 5. Incline your ear to the words of my lips, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. Morning by morning I lay my request before you. You hear my voice. You are not a God that takes pleasure in evil. With you the wicked cannot Hate all who do wrong, you crush those who tell lies. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men, the Lord abhors. There's some grace. But I, by your great mercy, can come into your house. Oh, I've done the tone for the prayers for that day, isn't it? Or the couple days more down the line, Psalm 8. Everybody recognizes that one. Oh, Lord, I want how majestic is your Set your glories above the heavens. From the lips of babes and infants you've ordained praise to silence the foe and defender. When I consider the heavens the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, and so forth, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, we've got one week and we've already changed subjects radically four times for the prayers for that day. And not only that, but they'll, they'll show us new purposes for prayer. Sometimes I think we get the idea that the purpose of prayer is to ask God for stuff. Bible class. Prayer request. And Susie's sick. Joey's trying to find for a job. My car broke down. We got the lumbago. You know, what's this fine? God cares about what, how we feel. No wrong to ask him for things. But is that the only purpose of prayer? And when you start looking at prayer, you see that prayer is not about prayer. The Psalms are not about the Psalms. The function of prayer of the Psalms is to bring us closer to God. They're about God. Not about what God's going to give us. That woman sitting over there, I've been married to for Seven years. I want to tell you, I fell in love with her before I knew her name. I saw her on the campus, thought she was engaged to a trumpet player. Um, and, and I just thought she did wonderful. You know, all of her spiritual attributes got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I told my roommate, I want to marry that one. Took me a while to tell her that. 
didn't marry her to get her house. I married her to get her. And the more I have of her, the more I want of her. We don't come to God to get stuff. We come to God to get God. And the more of God we get, the more of God we want. Right. That's one of the purposes. Maybe the main function of prayer. But when you start looking at scripture and all the things that prayer is about and the Psalms are about, look, look through the Psalms. I've made a little list of them here. They have us listening to God. They have us praising God. They have us thanking God. They have us exploring our own souls. They have us confessing our sins to God. They have us blessing other people. They have us empathizing with the pain of other people, spewing out anger to God, recalling God's goodness, asking God questions, seeking God's face, bringing our then to get it further out of ourselves, uh, the focus of prayer begins to change. Especially if you take a psalm and you pray it three times like that, you read it, and then you pray it for you, and then you pray it for somebody else. Every day it gets you focusing on somebody else's feelings and needs. That's why it's so good to use the psalms in our public assemblies. They were not meant as private devotional literature. The psalms were sung, they were prayed, they were recited together in the body among the people of God. And here's why. In his book, uh, Answering God, Eugene Peterson says this, I open the psalms and I find myself in the place of prayer, ready to pray. I look around and see 30 other men and women from 30 different places, reared in 30 different homes, and in the past few hours, having experienced 30 different combinations of emotions, some come from brutalizing experiences. Some come from a birthday party. Others from a funeral. Some are so full of hate at what has been seen and done to them and others brimming over with joy over the beauties of the day. <coughs> and when the congregation is led in praying Psalm 56, it's seized with the experience of brutality and hate. Hate may be the most remote thing from my mind. But within moments, I am praying the experience of hate with others who may be experiencing it. And I enter into common cause with people who are desperately facing enemies. And the Psalms help take me out of myself to places where others 
cures for a prayer life that's stuck. It's all over the song. Well, Doug Tennant said I should quit pretty soon, so I'm going to quit pretty soon. But we have one more thing that I want to look at, uh, and that is wonder. Uh, I'm going to skip a piece of that. The first part of it, I'll just give, I'll tease you a little bit. It's um, learning to be at peace with ambiguity. Some people call it, talk about the mystery of the Psalms. Uh, I like to use the word ambiguity. Some, sometimes they're just absolutely ambiguous. They seem to say contradictory things. They strike contradictory emotions like that. Psalm 13, here he is screaming at God how long, and then he's ending up by saying, I sing to the Lord because he's good to me. What happened to me? But I want to go to that last one. And that's just the whole idea of uh, encountering the Holy One. That's really the central purpose. And to do that, I want to, I want to go to a psalm that we started with tonight. I'm not sure who assigned it, but I'm glad they did, Psalm 29. Now this psalm, is, you, you know, when you read the psalm, you try to figure out what the setting might have been. And we don't know for sure. We don't even know who wrote a lot of it. We don't even know in what time period a lot of them were But this one, I get the feeling the song's sitting sitting somewhere up in this in, in southern Lebanon, up in the mountains somewhere. The last time that uh, uh, I saw Sister Branch, I think she met in Jerusalem. It's uh, one Sunday north of there, up in Lebanon. You know, we, 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 we're looking out and a storm is forming. We can see the ocean. see. We hear thunder. And then we hear the storm moving in and it becomes wide. Roars up into the mountains above us. And begins to crackle among the cedars. Make the earth tremble. And then it drifts off toward the south, over the desert. And finally it winds up in Tremendous explosion uh, right there around us where the old trees are. Yeah, I had that feeling once back a few years ago when I was having chemo and I, Carolyn had gone shopping or somewhere and a big storm was coming in. There were tornado warnings and lightning warnings. And, and I love them. <laughs> Pardon me, but I love storms. So I got out there on the porch sitting there and I was getting wet. And the thunder was so loud and steady and it was just deafening. And the trees were just whipping around like a mop. Where I could hear a couple trees blowing over down in the, in the canyon at the edge of our property. And the rain was going sideways. And the lightning was just blinding. And I'm out there just thinking, I'm in the middle of Psalm 29. <laughs> Ascribe to the Lord, Almighty Ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the mighty cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf. 
Mount Hermon up like a young wild ox. And the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. And the voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord makes to shake the mighty desert of Kadesh. And the voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory, all cry. That was a few, all cry, glory. And the Lord sits enthroned above the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. And the Lord gives strength to his people. And the Lord blesses them with peace. Amen. Church said, Amen. Thank you, Lynn, very much. Extraordinary.